Hi, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health and you are in for a real treat today. This is not our typical interview setting. I happen to be uh, being filmed for a documentary and the documentary is done by Nao. Our guest for today is Naomi Wittell, who you may not have heard of before, but she has an unbelievable um, pedigree with respect to what she's done. She, her grandfather introduced biodynamic farming into the United States. So that's incredible. She's lived a healthy life and uh, has really uh, been in the space of the supplement company for a while and was a former CEO for Twin Labs. But she's, we're gonna talk about today is her passion for health and how she's compiled much of that information in uh, her recent book, which is called Glow 15. And I read the book, I, I think I first heard of her on Dave Asprey's Bulletproof podcast, and I said, wow, this is intriguing. So I got the book, read it, and I was so impressed because I've never encountered an individual before who independently evaluated the evidence and came to the same conclusions I did about how to optimize diet and talked about really interesting things like autophagy. And, and she is a living testimony to how this process works. I had the opportunity to meet her about two weeks ago in person. She came out and saw me speak at Paleo FX in Austin, Texas. And we had communicated by email and I thought she was gonna come, but I didn't hear about her, so, hear from her, so I didn't know she was gonna be there. And I saw this woman in the audience, it was real hard because it was bright lights, but I saw this woman in the audience that looked like her, but I never met her before. But I said, it can't be her, because she looks like she's 20 years old. 20 years old. And when you see her, you, you, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to be formatted this, but you, you, you're going to, amazing, unbelievable. So her, her process works incredibly well, and she's a living testament for Book Glow 15. So welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Mercola. It's an incredible honor to be sitting across from you. Uh, your guidance, your insight, everything that you bring to the table is what I've followed for the past 20 years. So this is an incredible privilege. Well, we're just delighted to have you about, uh, uh, the opportunity to connect because you have, as I mentioned, independently compiled this information for different sources that I have and come reach almost identical conclusions. So it's really fascinating. But before we go into the details in the book, well, let's get a little more history. I'll let you tell it from your perspective because you didn't do this by choice, even though you had relatively and still do have relatively healthy parents, you had some other motivation because you had an illness that right. really required you to be hyper diligent or diligent about your health. So why don't you discuss that journey that you were on? So I, uh, I was born with eczema. I was born with uh, deficient autoimmune health. And uh, in part, it was because I had a complete blood transfusion when I was born. I was born by C-section. And uh, the inflammatory process that was in my body just, it ravaged my body, right? So my, my skin would bleed, it would pus. And uh, I, my parents were so conscious, they would even be uh, aware of the kinds of material I would wear because, you know, our skin needs to breathe. It's our largest organ. And, uh, the foods that I ate, I was born on a biodynamic farm, and yet this, this autoimmune disorder and so many more that I've developed over time was uh, really what controlled my life. So I have always been uh, trained to eat specific foods, drink certain types of water. We were talking about fluoride earlier. My parents never let me have that fluoride. I was never vaccinated. I mean, there was just so much thought that went into what it was that I was putting on my body or in my body. 
and yet I couldn't ever sort of squelch the amount of inflammation that I've experienced. So I've gone through so many different iterations and when I was in my mid-teens, I would, I would constantly cover myself with long sleeves, kind of like what I'm doing today. But it wasn't for the same reasons. I would cover myself because I was so ashamed of what I really looked like. Mm -hmm. And it was the spring dance and there was a boy that I really wanted to go to the spring dance with. And my mother had said to me at that time, you know, you shouldn't always cover yourself. You have a lot of friends, you can have some more self-confidence. And so I listened to her and I wore short sleeves and, and shorts and my skin was exposed and he got a glimpse of me and he didn't invite me. And that was a really uh, defining moment because I had been so rejected by the way that I looked mm -hmm. and I had always used natural and homeopathic uh, remedies for my body. And so in that moment I said, you know what, I'm gonna go for the first time to a conventional doctor, I'm gonna use steroids, I'm gonna just try to suppress this, this eczema. And I did that for a short period of time, but the side effects were so great that of course I went back to my roots and um, I was able to get rid of about 95% of the eczema when I was in my early 20s by using um, these Chinese herbs along with acupuncture where we really worked to sort of peel back the onion. It took about a year and a half. And uh, ultimately it was remarkable and I was using fasting, I was fasting for different periods of time, juice fasting, all types of, of different ways to detox my body. And ultimately when I was in my later 20s and I was getting ready to have my first child, my integrative medical doctor, Dr. Erickson, did a whole variety of different blood work and urine testing and everything to just sort of see where my health was. And ultimately he concluded that I had heavy metal toxicity and he attributed it to those Chinese herbs that I had taken because of the soil that they were grown in the way that they were processed and I had poisoned my own body through, through these herbs that had been so therapeutic. So that really um, was that other like defining moment for me personally where I decided I needed to know from that moment forward exactly where things came from. And I have, you know, um, an obsessive, I have some obsessive compulsiveness to, to me and um, it certainly runs in my family. So I started the process of always going to the source where things come from and, and going from there. And so personally, I've just had this amazing opportunity um, throughout my life and I put it into my career of sourcing things mm -hmm. that I share with my family and then ultimately I built a company called Reservage where uh, we, we look back and we find where things come from. And I started uh, with the polyphenols that come from the red wine grape, the antioxidants, and I, I searched all over the world for the grapes that really had the highest levels of these different polyphenols, including resveratrol. So I went to the Finger Lakes, I ultimately landed in Bordeaux, where the organic and biodynamic uh, vineyards are, are so rich in the powerful nutrients. And I was in uh, Calabria, Italy, when I first uh, started to really learn about the citrus bergamot fruit. And the researchers over there were teaching me about drinking whole citrus bergamot. And the, the lead researcher, Dr. Janda, 
Elizabeth Janda was drinking like four or five cups of this every day. And while I was there, I was doing that with her. And I asked her, you know, why? I love it. It's like filled with flavanols. And I like citrus bergamot because of what it does to the cholesterol profiles. You know, you were talking about raising the HDL um, cholesterol and citrus bergamot does that amazingly. Uh, and is, is something for people who are on statins, they can use it in conjunction, or people who don't want to take statins, which so many people don't, they can use it as an alternative. And she was drinking all this citrus bergamot tea, and she said to me, I use it to activate my autophagy. And that was the first time I had heard the word. Mm -hmm. How many years ago was that? That was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I heard this word, I'm like, what, what does it mean? And she said, you know, auto in Greek means self and phagy means to eat. So this is self-eating process. And I started to Google it. And of course, I came across your articles that you had brought out. You were the only one out there speaking about it. Yeah. And, and that really started my journey for the Glow 15 book. Wow. So it's, it's a magnificent book. And, and just to expand a bit on your obsession with the raw materials, yes. which is not just an obsession, but it's actually your passion. Correct. And it's an unusual passion because most supplement companies, and I should mention here that your company you mentioned, Reservage, Reservage, you sold to Twin Labs. Yes. And you were the CEO of Twin Labs, and now you're off in a different direction, which is great, which is an extension of your book, Low 15. Exactly. But I'd like you to get your perspective because as a CEO, I mean, I have a company too, but I'm not the CEO, but you were running the the show. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, you still work at that high executive level. What has been your experience in the industry of companies that take do the due diligence and actually go and source the raw materials? Because it would seem to me, obviously another variable that contributed to that was your adverse reactions to these contaminated right. beneficial products that caused you heavy metal toxicity. So you know, there's this dual process. And I think that if from my experiences, it's not as extensive as yours, that there's a fair amount of companies that don't do this due diligence. And I'm wondering if you can comment on your experience. Sure, it, it did. It came from just that feeling of, of needing to know what I was putting in my own body. And just as, as an individual feeling really like I had been, I just had been duped or that I didn't have the wherewithal to understand what I was putting into my body. So I, I felt like it was a personal need to understand where things came from, uh, for myself, for my family, for my friends. But then when I built uh, Reservage, it was with that same sort of fundamental mindset. Because when you are a CEO, uh, when you're a, a leader of, like, you, you are leading so many millions of people, you have such a responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Because we're essentially saying, take this nutritional supplement, take this food, whatever it might be, and it will help to support your health and your well-being. But unless we know each of the steps um, that get it into our, our consumer's hand, we're not really doing what we're here to do. So for me, it's a responsibility. And also, I just love the mm-hmm. process. Like, yeah. I love going and testing the soil. I love working with the farmers. I love going to the extraction facilities and understanding what's used to extract the ingredients. Um, So it is, it's a passion and I get to make it my work. So it's just a a true privilege. But what I've found in this process over the years is uh, 
Not very many people do it. Not very many companies do it. And it surprises me because it's a disconnect, mm -hmm. right? And ultimately, there's so many things that can go wrong along the way. Even in the way, you know, I'm studying right now um, coconut and coconut oils and, and how MCT oils, the medium chain triglycerides are actually extracted. And it's pretty frightening to see how that works, but it's because of the disconnect within the supply chain. So if we can just connect those pieces with transparency and show that, I mean, video, we're, we're here mm -hmm. shooting video, There's, it's not hard to do. If you can just connect the dots with video, then you can really share something that's meaningful. And there are a couple of companies that are doing that or that are being transparent, but we still have a long ways to go. Okay, so I'd like you to expand on your recent experience, uh, I think working with Dr. Jeff Bland on a trip yes. to Alaska, yes. where uh, a massive uh, source of supplementation is omega-3 fats, and most of those are being done by fish oils. So you went to Alaska to find the dirty secrets of right. fish oil, and I'm wondering if you would be willing to share those of secrets course. now. Of course. So for me personally, fish oil is an important part of my health, right? Mm -hmm. Because of my autoimmune disorders. And I grew up drinking um, a little shot every morning of cod liver oil. <laughs> that's, that's what we did in our house. And I actually like the taste. You know, this was before I knew about krill and I sure. knew about the, the other um, valuable omega-3s. So I grew up with it, loved it. Strange, I, I know it's a little strange. But when I built my company, Reservage, I never could find a source, and I, and I do feel passionately mm -hmm. about krill, like it's so powerful. I couldn't find a source uh, that, uh, other, than, other than krill that I was comfortable bringing out into the market. And the reason was, and this is the dirty secret, is that when most fish oil is processed, what happens is the fish are caught in these large nets. Mm -hmm. And even if you think that the fish oil is coming from Norway or, or, or Europe, it's caught in Central and South America in these large nets. The fish are then brought onto the boat and they're thrown to the bottom of the boat, the guts, which is really where we get the, the fish oils, they're thrown to the bottom of the boat and they go rancid and they go completely rancid and they're just left there. And by the time they get to Europe, they are so rancid, it's so disgusting, that in order to get the omega-3s out, they have to go through such a process of, of extracting these poisons and this rancidity that you're left with uh, something that has none of the cofactors. It's been, it's been so heavily contaminated to clean out the rancidity that if you want to get any of the benefits of of the vitamin A or vitamin D, they have to be added back. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a, such a huge disconnect. It's, it's the same thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier with uh, yogurt, mm -hmm. right? Like we know about the beneficial effects of the, of the fermentation process. And so many yogurts that are out there, the majority of them are sort of riding that wave, but they're really just not good for us, like 90, 95% of it. So I think the same thing goes with, with fish oil. And when I learned about this, which I've known about for many years, it just 
ruined my um, relationship to fish oils, so many of them. So when Jeff Bland came to me and said, you know, he actually has partnered with a fisherman who has six large boats in Alaska, so the pristine waters of the Barents Sea, and this fisherman is not a typical fisherman. His name is David Little, mm -hmm. and he's actually an engineer. Mm -hmm. And when he got into fishing, he put together on his boats what's considered this flash frozen process. What they do is they line catch these codfish, and then they flash freeze the fish, all parts of the fish. And the reason they do that is because they sell the actual fish to the Japanese, and the Japanese spend three to four times the amount on the actual fish. But they weren't doing anything with the livers and the guts. And so when um, David Little and Jeffrey Bland met one another, Dr. Bland said, oh my goodness, you, you're, you have to use these parts of the fish. And so they partnered they built an extraction facility right in Dutch Harbor, which of course I went to and processed the fish myself. And you cannot believe how pure and how fresh and how potent this omega-3 oil is because it also has the SPMs in it. So what makes this fish oil so incredibly powerful is it's literally flash frozen right there on the boat. And then these large frozen uh, portions of the fish are processed in Dutch Harbor. So you're preserving the SPMs, you're preserving all the vitamin A and the vitamin D. And so as I processed it myself, I was able to literally take the oil right out of the processing, um, right out of the processing equipment and drink it right there in the factory. And it smells fresh and it's good. And that's why I for the first time in my entire career, felt confident enough to bring a cod liver oil into the market. So uh, that's a fascinating story about these uh, cod liver oils. Right. That, that you actually put that together for Twin Labs when you were with them. Yes. And, and it's a product that they sell. So this is one of the rare, because would you say that over 95% of the existing fish oils don't fit these criteria? And, and I'm, by fish oils, I mean including yes. and incorporating cod liver oil into that, because it's a subset of fish oil. Yes. Absolutely, if not more. It could be probably 98%. Okay. And, and it is, while we were in Dutch Harbor, you know, it was so, it was so fascinating to be able to trace every single step mm -hmm. of the process from the fact that the fish were line caught. And look, it was for another reason mm -hmm. because of, of the Japanese wanting to buy this high quality fish. But ultimately, when we processed the cod livers, uh, as they were coming out, it was really fun because I was holding it in my hands and I have video and I can, I can show you the video. It was so soft, it was so incredible that the first thought was like, oh my gosh, I want this as skincare. And um, you're not having to add back any of the vitamin A or the D and you've got so much mm -hmm. strength in, in the quality of this ingredient. I was extraordinarily excited to bring it into the market, but there's nothing else from a cod liver perspective or um, like you said, the subset of the omega-3s that's, that's out there. So you had mentioned earlier that it was high in SPMs, and for those yes. who happen to not know what that is, that's specific pro-resolving mediators. 
And uh, that would consist of things like resolvents and protectants, which are really useful for anti-inflammatory components, which is a, you know, an issue that you have with the eczema. Right. So th that would uh, certainly provide benefit. But you and I both are in strong agreement of having whole foods less processed. And this is an example, you know, this processing, this having to do this molecular distillation, remove all these damaged components, removes the SPMs from almost all the omega-3s. So if you get the whole food, that's the best way to go. But this, and it's great to know that it exists, but it's a, it's a major caution for anyone who's viewing this who is currently taking official, you please do your due diligence because in all likelihood, or liberal, that you're, right. as Naomi said, probably 98% of them out there are not what you think you're getting. So the other alternative, the one you were seriously considering investigating, but didn't because of the public perception of uh, sustainability is krill oil. And that's the one that we really focus on. Uh, it's, it's a phospholipid, it's a lot of good benefits, and sustainability, which is an issue with cod. I right. mean, they're, they're taking these cods, I know they're selling to the Japanese, but still, cod is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't know the projections of when cod won't be around, but it's not gonna be around probably many of our lifetimes. I mean, it's, it's on an extinction rate. But krill is not. Krill is a, is a, is a really, is a very small creature, like a crustacean, like a sh very tiny shrimp. Uh, and it's high in these omega-3s, but it's the omega-3s, unlike fish, which is attached to a triglyceride, it's attached to a phosphate. So it makes it really absorbable and literally twice as absorbable as, as fish oil. Because of that, you don't get the belching, but it's sustainable. It's the, there's this organization called MSC, Marine Stewardship Council, that right. verifies and confirms that and limits the companies, which is really only down to one primary company now, maybe some Russians that are taking it out. But, you know, because it, it is, there is concern because it is food for whales and the last thing we want to do is hurt whales, but it's only harvesting a level that's, that's going to be completely sustainable. And it, just like the, the, the process you described, it's harvested on the ship, it's extracted on the ship. I believe it's extracted on the ship or, or at least processed in a way that preserves its absolute integrity. So mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't get any of the degradation products. So it's another option. Those are the two. So this, this purified process you described in Alaska, right? probably a few others, but it's a handful, and then krill. So those are two options if you want omega-3. And omega, you, you just got to have omega-3, a yeah. source of it. And you, know, you can eat the whole fish, sardines, really mm -hmm. small fish, those will work too. You don't have to buy krill oil, you don't have to buy fish oil, you, you can eat fish, but you just have to be really careful. It's tiny because the oceans of this, the 21st century oceans are contaminated yeah. with all the, the, the industrial toxins, you know, mercury, PCBs, dioxins, PBDEs, flame retardants, mm -hmm. it's all in there, uh, the bigger the fish. Yeah. So we were talking about the krill oil and incorporating it with um, different different uh, coconut oil and things like that. It's pretty well, interesting. Well, yeah, we're in the process of developing uh, a commercial product. It happened for actually three or four years, uh, which is krill phospholipids, mm. because the phospholipids are very similar to lecithin, which is a really important uh, substrate of cell membranes right. in your brain. Uh, but most of the lecithin is from soy, and even if it isn't, if it's from sunflower and it's organic, it still has omega-6 as the fats that are in there, whereas the krill phospholipids, instead of having omega-6, it's got EPA and DHA, exactly mm. what you need. Amazing. Yeah, so it's a pretty good product, and we're excited to release that at some point, hopefully in the next year or so. But I want to continue with your journey because, as I said earlier, um, 
I'm so impressed with your book that you reached, because to read someone, because I read a lot, I read 150 books a year. Wow. Not as many as Ben Greenfield, but <laughs> he reads a book a day. I don't know how he does it. I still don't get it. But I read about 150, which is still good enough. And it's a big deal. <laughs> a lot of health books. And, you know, virtually, I don't think I've read one book, really. Maybe Hints and Dave Asprey's book, but not the way you put it the, and the, the way you codified it and really understanding the cyclical component. And I want you to share that, to, to have your perspective who reached this conclusion independently. Yes, you've been right. looking at my stuff for a while, but yes. you came to this conclusion yourself. You went out and evaluated investigators. You're not someone who's gonna take some information and just say it without independently validating, which is what I love about your work. And what I'm not sharing here is what we're not gonna talk about in this video is that you're also passionate about my new obsession on steroids, which is NAD, and you've been obsessed about it too. And, yes. we know, and you know some of the, if not the leading researchers yeah. in the world, and I'm just so excited for that connection, which is, you don't know how excited uh, I am. It's just ridiculous. Wait. Yeah, so we're gonna change the world with this mm -hmm. because NAD, we're not, we're not gonna delve into NAD because that's a, a literally a, a, a justifiable one to two hour discussion. Right. We don't have time for it now. But I want you to share your journey and really expand on the, you know, how you got to that and how, what is your practical implementation of this process? Because you know, a lot of people will resonate with your uh, communication mm -hmm. rather than mine because you're coming from a different angle. Thank you so much. It, it really just, for me, always understanding almost intuitively that my cells would either be building or detoxing, mm -hmm. right? And with any sort of you know, inflammation that, that I experienced, I knew that there were things that were either you know, really challenging me or, or things that would help me and that was usually the lack of eating. Mm -hmm. So that's why I got so excited about fasting over 20, like about 25 years I, ago. I don't know anyone who's been fasting for 25 years personally. <laughs> that is amazing. But it would help me so much. Yeah. So it was just this natural, innate um, activity that I would do uh, over time. And I definitely struggled with it because doing a juice fast is so different than doing a water fast. And you talk about, you know, the different detox pathways and how important it is to incorporate that. And I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Chris Shade is a very good mm -hmm. friend of mine and um, the work that, you know, watching the two of you spend time together at Paleo FX <laughs> was just thrilling for me. And I, I can't wait to see what, yeah, what really comes through all of your connections there. But ultimately, uh, while I was in Calabria, Italy, learning about, first hearing about, there was an actual term for what I had been trying to do in my body for all these years, and that was autophagy. And, it, you know, for, for someone like me, it's just this understanding of, wow, we have a mechanism that's in all of our bodies, and all we have to do is activate it. But it can't be activated all the time. But when we do activate it, it literally cleanses and detoxifies the parts of the cell, recycles the parts of the organelles that are no longer needed so that our cells can behave like they did when they were younger. So that process, once I learned that there was a term for it and I came back to the US, I started to look for all of the researchers around the globe. Mm -hmm. And this was in 2014. Uh, that could look, that could teach me about how it activates um, through different mechanisms in the body. And so I found uh, Richard Wang, 
who is a, a dermatologist and also an autophagy expert, so I could learn about the skin. Then uh, Beth Levine, who really focuses on exercise and has um, done some incredible research. So I started to meet with these researchers. Uh, uh, Dr. William Dunn at the University of Florida, he's been researching autophagy for 30 years and began to put together a protocol that I could use for my own life. So we talked about sleep, how important restorative sleep is and getting the circadian rhythms to really work with our own bodies. And it's simple to sort of adjust to those circadian rhythms. And when we travel so much, we can get off balance and every single cell in our body has its own clock. And so how do we really activate autophagy at night, which is when we get the most of it? Um, how do we do it through exercise? How do we do it through our skin? How do we do it in, um, through nutrition? How do we do it through supplementation? And so I had the privilege of, of putting together this uh, protocol for myself and then utilizing it. So I travel uh, way too much. Mm -hmm. I, um, I was actually at the airport a couple of years ago and um, someone from American Airlines came up to me and said, <laughs> uh, we'd like to drive you to your, your next uh, destination because I was doing a stopover and I said, well, and they had a little sign with my name. I said, well, why are you doing that? Well, because you're a concierge key. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that you're like in the top 1% of our flyers. How, how much do you fly? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm on a plane way too much. And I, I figured it out. I, I, the reason I got this crazy standard with American Airlines is because I had flown around the world eight times that year. That was, <laughs> this is not a good thing. That is way too much. Way too much, yeah. way too much radiation, way too much impact. And it was affecting me and it was accelerating my aging. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and so that's when I really wanted to apply the principles of activating autophagy, the youth inside my cell, inside my 37 trillion cells, you know, to, um, to help reduce the impact of accelerated aging. And so these researchers brought this together and what I discovered, and I was with actually Dr. David Sinclair at Harvard, uh, uh, we were talking about the work that he's done on NAD, and uh, he was sharing with me a lot of the insights around how we could sort of reduce the impact of these accelerated agers. And so when you, when you look at all the ways that we age, you know, and, and the, the effects of, of, of you know, D, the DNA impact, mm -hmm. the inflammation, the telomere shortening, all of these things, autophagy and the way that autophagy slows down as we age or due to these accelerated agers is sort of at the fundamental foundation of the way we age. So being able to look at it and um, activate it and then also deactivate it is something that is fundamental to the aging process. And so GLOW15 is really that protocol and that program. And what was so fascinating when I first did it on myself was my energy skyrocketed. I reduced my lean muscle mass by, um, increased my lean muscle mass in, uh, reduced my um, BMI by about 6%. So I went from 24 to 18. And um, extraordinary. I, it was, and, and I wasn't doing something other than activating my autophagy, uh, my energy, my mental focus, my sleep improved, and I just felt so much better. 
and I looked younger for sure. <laughs> so I said, so everyone in my world said, hey, what are you doing? And then we, I started to try it on my friends and family. And then uh, some of my friends at Jacksonville University, some of the researchers there said, why don't we create a lifestyle study? So we took a group of 35 participants and we put them through this lifestyle. And every single participant achieved results. And the researchers called me after 15 days and said, my goodness, people have lost weight. They have, everyone had achieved it in 15 days. And that's how the book got the name Glow 15. But they had reduced their fine lines and wrinkles. I mean, it was like both on the outside as well as the inside, gotten off of medications. I mean, it was truly remarkable, the benefits. So that's how the protocol was developed. Cool, great. Thank you for the backstory of that. Yes. And I wondered if you could just summarize sure. some of the specific strategies. Specific, I mean, there's a lot of the, like citrus bergamot and, and yes. is in there and other things, but if it, the, the eating plans and sure. how you reach those conclusions and, well, you already related some of the experiences you noticed, which is pretty mm -hmm. dramatic. Yeah, they were real. I mean, and, and it is dramatic. It's, it's sort of a way to like outsmart some of the, um, pollutants and environmental mm -hmm. uh, fights that we're dealing with every single day. I mean, it's a, it's a, in my opinion, it's a battle that mm -hmm. we're having to fight in order to protect our health, but just activating autophagy through some principles. So I have 11 of them mm -hmm. in my book um, is, is actually quite easy. So it's not about depriving ourselves. The first one I have is called intermittent fasting and I couple it with protein cycling. So I name it IFPC, that's the acronym, um, intermittent fasting every other day. So we have high days and low days, just like the ocean sort of comes in and out. I look at cycling as a big part of our health, that process. So intermittent fasting every other day, so 16 hours of not eating and eight hours of scheduled eating, and then protein cycling. So on a high day, you would eat the regular amount of protein um, that you would normally consume. And on a low day, you're gonna bring it to about 5% of your calories. And we have formulas of how you do that, but it's basically just 5% of your calories. So for somebody like me, who would normally eat about 45 to 50 grams of protein, so 0.8% um, times um, uh, my kilos, that's about 45 to 50 grams, and then I'll take about 5% of, of my overall caloric intake, which is about 25 grams of protein on a low, a low day. day. So intermittent fasting, protein cycling. The next one, which I love, is all about timing. So time, like what you do and when you do it. Well, before so you go important. into the next one, yes. I want to stop you there okay. because you had mentioned 16 hours. Right. And I think in your book, you say that going beyond 16 hours is unnecessary to 20 hours or so, because some people do 20, 20, even 22 hours, what Dr. Gundry does. Sure. So I'm wondering how you came to that conclusion and how you validated that uh, recommendation. That's, that's a really good question. Uh, the way that we came to the conclusion of 16 hours is the literature around fasting is, is, is growing, and it's been growing for the past five years mm -hmm. pretty, pretty quickly. So when we were at Paleo FX, I was in the middle of, uh, I was starting mm -hmm. a five-day water fast. And I do them now on a monthly basis. And I'm excited to incorporate so many of your uh, insights and research into what I'm doing um, over the next months. And, and for sure I will. I do it for my autoimmune health. But the 16 hours 
is what is needed to activate the beginning of autophagy, right? So you can get that kind of activation in 16 hours. 20 hours doesn't make a big change. 24 hours doesn't make a okay, big change for autophagy, okay. right? There, there's science that points to after three days of fasting, you go to a deeper level of activating autophagy. And a lot of the researchers like Walter Longo mm -hmm. are really focusing on that. Mm -hmm but you can activate it within 16 hours. And so that's, that's the focus. And when does it start? So you're it sort of reach the maximal asymptotic point of the curve at 16, unless you go to right. multiple day fast, but does it start at 12, 13, 14? Yes. So. so it starts about 12 and then you get that real benefit at about okay. 16. 16. Yeah. And so you do that every other day. Every other day, okay. Which so you is, get that cyclical effect, which is pretty easy to do. I mean, I happen to do it most days, but and I'm reconsidering that strategy based on your uh, evaluation. And do you find well, what has been your experience? I'm still standpoint one. If you um, do it every day, is that counterproductive? It's not that it's counterproductive, um, but for for uh, so many people. It's impractical. It's, it's, it's a practical thing, and it's also great to get into this um, experience of rhythm mm -hmm. and, and cycling. So that's why, that's why I recommend it that way. Um, and the other part, you know, we, we spoke about your book and the importance of satiating, mm -hmm. right? Where we never feel that we're being deprived. So getting into fasting and intermittent fasting every other day where your body actually starts to crave it because you know you're getting so much energy from it. And um, it, it's, it's just a very healthy way to go about uh, starting the process. Okay. And then from there, you can take it in whatever direction you want. Okay, well, thanks. Thanks for the clarification. Yes. Why don't you go to the next step, number two. So number two is about timing. So timing matters, what and when are both very important. So this second one is fat first and carbohydrates last. So on a low day, on both days, you'll do this. So on a low day, when you've done an intermittent fast, you'll break your fast. Your first meal will be about fat and fat first. And then at the end of the day, you'll have carbohydrates. And we talk about the great quality carbohydrates that we need for our health. And also when you're eating carbs later on in the day, in the evening time, as, you, as your last meal, you're getting all of the benefits from recovery to helping you relax and, and get ready to go to sleep. So fat first and carbs last is my second principle. Interesting. So yeah. most, most of the carbs at the end of the day. Yes. And uh, what specific observations or studies show that it improves sleep? So we have, um, I can share the studies with you. We have a couple of studies that uh, specifically speak to uh, the quality of the carbs mm -hmm. um, and, and making sure that you're incorporating those. I'd have to, I'd have to, I wanna pull the studies, but what they do to raise you know, the serotonin levels mm -hmm. as well as just helping your body recover, your muscles recover before you go to sleep. Excellent, yeah. yeah. because. You know, tryptophan is a precursor yes. for serotonin and yep. uh, actually is converts a bit to NAD too, although not oh, very really? well. Yeah, about 1% of the tryptophan is converted to NAD. Interesting. It's a salvage pathway. Mm. Uh, but it's so crucial for sleep and so many yeah. of us are deficient. It's probably the hardest amino acid to get, mm. a tryptophan. So, 
But anyway, good. Very, very so, interesting. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting strategy to optimize it that I really haven't studied, but I'll be looking forward to dig digging deep into that one. So what's number Excellent. three? So number three, we like to focus on exercise, right? So, so every other day, uh, 30 minutes of either interval training or resistance training. And um, Dr. Beth Levine has done the majority of the research there. So you can go up to 80 minutes, mm -hmm. but really you hit that sweet spot after 30 minutes. And so less is more. So when you're putting that acute stress on your body, and it could be as simple, it just depends on where people are mm -hmm. in their own fitness level, but it could be as simple as walking faster for a minute and then slowing down and doing that back and forth for 30 minutes. Uh, resistance training could even be doing yoga. I mean, there is a huge variety of different ways that we that we can exercise, but it's that acute stress, that good stress that has that kind of impact on the autophagy. So that's our third principle. Yeah, every other day is pretty much a no-brainer that you probably won't over-exercise, but right. for those people who exercise every day, you have to be particularly sensitive to your recovery rate. and and measure certain biometrics to make sure that it's okay to exercise because if you're not recovered, you won't get the benefits of exercise. Right. But your program kind of does that automatically because it's restricting it. Right, and, and that's a great part of why we do. And, and you were even saying to me earlier today about you know the benefits of exercise come during the, the time that we're recovering. Right, it's, yeah, it's, it's a stress, it's a negative stress to create free radicals, which are beneficial free radicals, but if you don't have that recovery, you just dig yourself into a deep hole and you'll actually get worse. It will make you worse. Yeah. So without, so the next step. So the next step is about different types of foods, right? So uh, making sure that we have 140 different types of foods. So this, again, it's not about depriving yourself in any way, shape or form. It's really about just allowing your body to benefit from the autophagy activating foods. So we've got sphingolipids, we have all sorts of incredible vegetables, omega-3s, we talk about ceramides that come from a variety of different foods. Um, there's such a variety and I've got, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 different recipes mm -hmm. in in the book that I just love. We have um, these recipes called avaglows 25 of these different types of avocado recipes that are so delicious. Um, and then we also do a lot of recipes. We have them, they're called egg 15s. So on high days and low days, you, you, you'll you eat different foods. So if an egg recipe on a high day will have the egg white and the yolk, on a low day when you're limiting your protein, you'll really just make your egg recipes with the yolk and you'll leave out the, the protein, the um, white part of the egg. So a whole bunch of different recipes there. And um, that's my favorite part of the whole book. <laughs> Lots of chocolate, um, yeah, polyphenols. polyphenols yeah. yeah, a lot of different polyphenols are really important. Yeah, you've, you've really done your homework with those and yeah. put together some pretty interesting combinations there. And I think on the nutritional side, where I got really excited is I've been working with polyphenols for about a decade now and started that work with the researchers at the University of Bordeaux. So when I first started to learn about the benefits of them. And um, what this I This was like in the early 2000s when, yes. I forget the researcher, but they came out that resveratrol was this, this uh, incredible nutrient or resource to help 
improve longevity. Exactly. But it's much more complex than initially thought. So much more complex. Yes. And that's where Dr. David Sinclair's research yeah. uh, came out. And, um, you know, in, I think it was 2009, 60 Minutes, did a really big piece and said, wow, this molecule activates sirtuin-1. It has all of these benefits like caloric restriction and, and so forth. And so it became a superstar and the research just continued to build. But uh, what I like so much about resveratrol, the citrus bergamot, turmeric, mm -hmm. you have turmeric growing outside yard, yes. here, which I can't wait to go get my hands on, and um, EGCGs that come from green tea, mm -hmm. is they're not just powerful polyphenols and flavanols, but they're also autophagy activators. Mm -hmm. So I coined these like superstars as power phenols. Mm -hmm. So you're getting you're getting the protective benefits, but you're also getting the repairing benefits. And I think in, uh, you know, in 2016, when the Nobel Prize in medicine was given to the Japanese biologist Yosunori Osumi mm -hmm. for his research around autophagy, it really pulls together these concepts. And it's going to be such a big part of our health and well-being over the next decade. And now the research is really starting to come together.